The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. What is the value of truth, Master? It binds one to the reality of oneself. This is hard for me to understand. So is truth. Hard to understand. Except that which cannot be spoken. But should I not always speak the truth? No matter what the consequences? Recognize that all words are part false and part true. Limited by our imperfect understanding. But strive always for honesty within yourself. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, February 25th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Before you can arrive at anything called the truth... You have to be able to recognize what is not true, or in the words of Lord Christopher Monckton, one must be able to spot the rot, even if the truth remains elusive. A lot of people I've been talking to these past several weeks appear to be quite adrift in terms of trying to decipher the world around them that no longer seems to make any sense. Truth seems to have become very hard to discern. In in a world of liars and censors, that's easy to understand. Our journey on today's show, therefore, will be taking us from the depths of irrationality and confusion to the heights of reason and understanding, on that elusive path towards the ultimate truth people so say they value. Fact is, and you can do a fact check on this one, (laughs) some people do value the truth and some people don't. And therein lies the real polarity and division between people everywhere, as we shall discover right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of our social media links and our archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. I feel like everything is standing still, I was told recently by a concerned acquaintance during our conversation about today's, I guess you could call it, pandemic zeitgeist. And even though we all know that that's not a literal truth, that everything's standing still, it sure feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, everybody's just sort of looking around, what's going to happen next? And trying to get a grip on today's zeitgeist is a bit like juggling at least a dozen balls, if not more, all at once, while trying to predict which of them will be the one to upset the juggler to the point where the balls may crash to the ground, where we can actually focus on each of them when they're no longer in motion. And there are a lot of balls to juggle. I mean, on our two shows previous to this one, we were drawn to the same conclusion that the West, and in particular the United States, is being attacked by foreign powers on both the electoral fraud front and on the COVID-19 front. Churches are shut down. Restaurants are open. 
or vice versa. Pastors and community workers are arrested by police. Police are beating up peaceful citizens just for not wearing a mask, which, by the way, is fully their right to do, even under our tyrannical laws. Donald Trump has defeated yet another impeachment attempt, and he's supposedly not even the president. We're being told that the military surrounding the Capitol is now expected to be there until at least the fall. Hmm. Time magazine publishes a major article detailing the strategy and players of those who openly stole the election, bragging about it as if it were a great democratic accomplishment. Doctors and nurses the world round are speaking out against all of the COVID measures, especially against the pretended vaccines. And the vaccines being administered to millions are not a vaccine. We've been reporting on the deaths and injuries on this for quite some time, and these stats still do not appear in mainstream corporate media. Censorship, deplatforming, promises to go after anyone who doesn't toe the propagandist line being spewed by our fascist politicians. I, I mean, Agenda 21 is real. The Great Reset is real. Bill Gates is real and is a truly evil person based on everything he represents in this whole lockdown pandemic. Protesters around the world, and certainly here in Canada, are being targeted and arrested for assembling in public places and in private places. Police are now entering private homes and dragging family members out of their homes for exceeding some kind of allowable limit. People are being kidnapped and locked up against their will for coming into Canada from abroad. The so-called COVID camps that were being scorned and laughed at by everyone in mainstream BS land are now a reality, and the tyranny is being spread even wider. Our schools have been effectively shut down permanently. They might as well be. Small business is being shut down and controlled as part of a political attack by governments at every level. Climate change is now being touted mainly by Bill Gates as being the next reason for lockdowns, along with prohibitions on the eating of real meat, because you see that affects the climate. Our hospitals are effectively closed, and people are not getting proper health care on every level of that care. And this BS and tyranny will never end, and I could go on and on for the whole balance of the show, just listing by topic or by, by theme all of the various balls that we could juggle as part of this pandemic trickery. Got this feedback from Sean O, who wrote, quote, Good morning. I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast from here in Southern California. I normally listen while on my train ride to work in the morning. With this entire COVID mess, I wonder, to what end? Somewhere, someone turned this virus into a political football. At the base, I truly believe it was done to topple the Trump presidency, but more than that, I believe it was done to dismantle the world free market and cause dependency on government. Basically, tear down to rebuild under a Marxist-Communist blueprint. Thank you for your contributions to the continuing education of all of us. And quote by Sean. Well, thank you, Sean. Of course, that's why we're here, is to try and get at the truth as we see it. And as we see it, <laughs> COVID-19 has been a farce from day one. PCR tests have been a farce from day one. The pandemic has been a farce from day one. The deaths blamed on COVID-19 have been primarily caused by our governments and state-controlled medicine and the actions that they took. Cheap and effective treatments for coronaviruses of all kinds are not offered and are slandered. Things like hydroxychloroquine. I mean, that was the treatment that Trump dared to endorse. Imagine doing such a thing, right? And yet people are still running around wearing masks and social distancing, despite what should be against the evidence of their own eyes. 
And to illustrate this point in the simplest of terms, here's some feedback we got from listener Andrew B. on February 18th, who wrote, quote, The other day I needed to buy a new battery for the van. Canadian Tire was still only offering curbside pickup. So I picked up my battery from the store entrance on a bright and sunny, freezing cold afternoon. With my mask on while making payment, the conditions were perfect for visualizing the fine vapor of my breath as it blew out from the sides, the bottom, and the top of the mask and followed the air intake draft into the shop where I could see it envelop the face of the Canadian Tire employee. And I was wearing the kind of mask they hand out in the hospital, quote, to keep patients, families, and employees safe, end quote. Now, I haven't studied graduate-level physics, but I think I can make a valid extrapolation here that explains the absence of empirical data to support the efficacy of masks in preventing the spread of viral respiratory illness. In fact, I think there's an inverse relationship between having studied graduate-level anything and having a common-sense grasp of the physics of mask-wearing, end quote. Well, exactly, Andrew. Coming up next, on the return side of our bumper, we'll be hearing a poetic interpretation of this pandemic by a young lady who goes by the name of What's-Her-Face, capped off by an explanation of all the irrationality by Bill Whittle. But first, here's Sydney Watson from her January 29th post entitled, What is even happening? I'm deeply and inherently confused by everything, and I don't know what else to say. My name is Sydney, welcome back to hell. So truth be told, this is definitely not the video I had planned to make this week. In fact, I wanted to talk about the Biden administration and what we can expect from them going forward or what we can just generally expect going forward. But given how many ridiculous things have happened in the past 10 days or so, I thought we deserved a laugh instead. Or a cringe. A linge? I don't know. The point is, a lot of ridiculous things have happened, and I don't know what to make of this timeline anymore, and we're in for a weird time. So, uh, the new White House press secretary has been doing a stellar job. I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you, but I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back with I'm, I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. Uh, I will have to circle back on that one. That's an excellent question. Oh, such an important question. Uh, we will circle back with you and we'll, we'll circle back with you. It's an interesting question, but uh, we'll, we'll circle. Usually I'm a fan of repetition, don't get me wrong, but this, this doesn't tickle me at all. She's also become very successful at answering hard-hitting questions. A letter note, uh, will he keep Donald Trump's Air Force One color scheme change? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that today. Could you even imagine the media asking these kind of softball questions of any other representative or politician? And when the media does ask tough questions, this is the kind of answer they get. When I announced it, you all said it's not possible. Come on, give me a break, man. This does not please me, and I remain untickled. Actually, and this is kind of important, when asked about why Biden halted a Trump administration executive order that prevented foreign countries, particularly China, from interfering with America's power grid, the new press secretary had this to say. I'll have to, I think the president's view on, on our relationship with China, I, I uh, tried to do my best to convey to all of you. I'll have to check on that specific piece and we'll, we'll circle back with you directly. She also had trouble explaining why Trump's travel restrictions were racist, but Biden's are not. 
now President Biden is putting travel restrictions on people coming in from other countries. What word do we use to describe that? Well, I don't think that's quite a fair articulation. Uh, the president has been clear that he felt the Muslim ban was xenophobic. He overturned the Muslim ban. Uh, he also, though, has uh, supported, um, and he himself, even before, or we did, I should say, even before he was inaugurated, steps, uh, travel restrictions, in order to keep the American people safe. Oh, silly Jen. Biden said that stopping travel is not effective. Was this your guy? Yeah, this was your guy. Anyway, all of this leads me to what the White House generally expressed when it comes to its interactions with reporters. We expect reporters covering the White House to operate in good faith, mm, and tell their audience the truth. And this White House will do the same. We are moving forward with that mutual understanding. Organizations or individuals who traffic in conspiracy theories, propaganda, and lies to spread disinformation will not be tolerated, and we will work with the WHCA to decide how to handle those instances moving forward. Will not be tolerated. That is some fun language. So this to me effectively means that the media and government will have like a coalition of sorts if they don't have one already and that if you don't follow the guidelines and the truth given to you by the White House, then you'll effectively just be banished from the room. All of you already know that I hate the media enough as it is, and I fully expected and continue to expect them to be soft towards this administration, but this just still makes me really uncomfortable. But what else is new? I guess I can't really feel too sorry for them because this is in fact the same media who have been saying things like Trump supporters and conservatives should be put on lists and uh, deprogrammed. How are we going to really almost deprogram these people. In other news, Black Lives Matter finally realized that the Democrats use them for votes. In fact, Captain Nesquik appears especially sad about it. He's giving us a day-by-day -day play of how that's going. Not well, in case you were wondering. It also appears some mainstream media outlets are going back and retroactively editing their own articles to reflect today's sentiments and standards. The Washington Post got caught out retroactively editing a profile piece on Kamala Harris, where she made a joke about inmates begging for food and water. I saw another example of this in Newsweek where a writer had retroactively gone back to change an article to reflect an argument that was being had today about the Army Rangers. So does that mean that anyone out there wants to go back and edit all the mean articles about me that are just full of lies? No? No takers? Okay then. I mean, this is bad, don't get me wrong. It gives me really strong 1984 vibes. Mmm, that rewriting of history. But it's not quite on the same level of cringe as Kamala Harris basically stealing an anecdote from Martin Luther King Jr. and trying to pass it off as her own. You know, where she fell out of a pram and then said some crap about freedom. You know, if Kamala Harris cared so much about freedom, then she probably wouldn't have fought so hard to keep so many people incarcerated. Yeah, wouldn't want to forget about that one. Freedom. So moving along, social media is still as messed up as ever. Most of you are probably already aware that Twitter and Facebook and other social media platforms have been purging users and uh, banning people at a rate of knots. I also want to remind you that the White House now has pronouns on its contact page. Huh. People are being encouraged to wear one or two masks for extra protection, although I'm sure that next they'll just tell us not to breathe. The Netherlands is apparently on fire because people have been rioting and protesting lockdowns, 
And actually, speaking of lockdowns, did you know that Chicago, Michigan, and California are now magically lifting theirs? And last, but certainly not least, the Bidens have created what looks like a series of social media accounts for their dogs. Let's look at one of their official press releases. Woof, 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 woof. Yeah, I'm not reading this. This is cringe. This is giving me some serious secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, I'm gonna need this to stop. Now, obviously there is a lot more that I could have talked about here, a lot more I could have covered because a lot of ridiculous things have happened, but I don't want to make light of the censorship and the banning that has gone on in the last little while because at least in my opinion, I see a lot of it getting worse, not only online, but out in the real world as well. But on the censorship side of things, I think it's worth considering how companies and retailers have taken a much more active role in having political opinions and enforcing those political opinions. My pillow, for example, which is pillows, has been dropped by Kohl's, Bed Bath & Beyond, etc. because the CEO is an avid Trump supporter. Financial institutions are taking a stand against the Trump family. I feel like impartiality has gone completely out of the world and a lot of companies and businesses are actively choosing a side. I mean, just think about Parler getting banned by Amazon, Google Play, and the Apple App Store. And I guess the fact is that big tech and politicians and these major players control so much of society. And I don't know, I guess, I guess it actually just really worries me. I'm gonna stop being a broken record now. Welcome to the Upside Down, where what you see can never be and what you know just isn't so. Where bad is good and wrong is right, where truth went down without a fight. Where you might just say, every day is opposite day. Can I offer you a mask or an anal swab? Rape is the law if it's for a good cause. Oh no, it isn't mandatory, that would be cruel. But you have no choice, that's our only rule. Before you enter, I must tell you about the world's deadliest disease. It can take you out with a single sneeze. It's a clever bugger too, it can't take out a violent mob, it only thrives in those with jobs. But luckily, we have the only cure. It won't stop it from spreading, but that's all we know for sure. So what does it do, you may ask? No one knows, so please be sure to double mask. It's super safe, the doctor said, even if you end up dead. Cause the antidote can't kill you since. It's the leading cause of coincidence. Now roll up your sleeve and let's go. I'll take you through the backwards show. Where doctors kill and science chills for our Lord and Savior, a man named Bill. To your left, you'll find our grand display of courageous men with nothing to say. They don't provide or lead or slay. They smile, nod, and let you have your way. And to your right you'll see our exhibition of empathy, where the rich stay home and through their phone demand that old folks die alone. Follow along the yellow dotted line to our memorial of dissent, our evil shrine. The thought criminals and sense seekers and those who disrupt, the ones who try to turn us, right side up. They did not shrink to double think, so all of them died from suicide. Thank you very much for visiting the Upside Down. Now please return to the circus with the rest of the clowns. You really do have to understand the mechanics of this kind of nonsense, because it's not really nonsense. It's carefully targeted psychological propaganda. And while people like you and 
I can read these things and just laugh out loud at how silly they are and how contradictory and how evil they are. There's large numbers of people who take this very, very seriously, who've been utterly brainwashed into this belief. I recall when I first began to venture down this whole COVID-19 path that I made a point of having to frame all of my subsequent comments within the understanding that, well, basically, we live in the age of the stupid, although I didn't say it that way then. (laughs) From climate change to COVID-19, our globalist governments have taken everyday common knowledge and occurrences in nature and turned them into grounds for fear and terror. After decades of state-funded education, I mean, that was just a matter of simplicity, wasn't it? As a natural consequence, there remains a huge chasm between two camps in terms of their respective understanding of what's going on vis-a-vis the constant lockdowns and behavior controls. On the one side, we have the people who completely buy into the whole COVID-19 pandemic, just as Bill Whittle described. They truly believe that there is an unprecedented dangerous virus circulating in our midst and that until this life-threatening virus is defeated, life can never get back to normal. They believe that the daily reported COVID cases, quote-unquote, represent something to be feared and something that justifies further lockdowns. And the thing that has led them to this conclusion is not knowledge, but fear and faith. Fear of a virus and faith in an omnipotent state. Because as anyone who takes the effort to know, this fear is completely unjustified because it's based on something that simply is not so. On the other side of the COVID divide, we have those who don't really buy into the COVID-19 pandemic, but they too suffer from fear, but not of the virus, of course. The source of their fear is being punished by the government for failing to agree with that government's lies and for failing to deny the evidence of their own senses. And that, unlike any virus, is something very real to fear. Tyranny and state control have killed more people than all the diseases and natural disasters in human history combined. Yet, for a fear-based culture, a sizable majority certainly seems to welcome really fearful conditions with open arms while running away from the things that shouldn't scare them at all. For those trying to make sense of what's going on around them based on the narratives being propagandized by the corporate mainstream media, good luck, because the contradictions will continue unabated. It's part of the plan. Some people react to them by laughing at the contradictions or stupid rules while still continuing to obey them under some bizarre belief that those who are in control somehow know what they're doing, but they're the ones who don't understand anything. Sounds stupid to me, but they must know what they're doing, right? I've heard that so many times. And for those who understand that what we're dealing with is what I call the intelligent irrationality of tyranny, all of the contradictions do make sense, but of course, not in terms of their content. They're not meant to make sense, nor to clarify anything about anything. They are literally calculated to confuse and cause fear and anxiety. As Bill Whittle explained, you know, it's not nonsense. It's carefully targeted psychological propaganda, and that's absolutely true. Keeping the public ignorant of the truth is the prime directive of our politicians, bureaucrats, and the general class of rulers we call the elite. And the reason they value this ignorance is because they know from knowledge and from experience that ignorance breeds fear. And fear is the virus that they are intentionally breeding and spreading. 
And every individual who knowingly participates in this process is on the side of evil. Which brings to mind this feedback from listener Kathy M., who wrote, This paragraph is from the murder mystery entitled Dark Tide Rising, written in 2018 by author Ann Perry. Rathbone is the lawyer, and he is speaking with Monk, who is the police detective in a story that takes place in Victorian England. Quote, Rathbone smiled uneasily, but his eyes held no criticism. Monk, you know as well as I do that the face of evil is not so easily recognizable. The worst people I've ever known look pretty much like anyone else, and they didn't think they were evil. They had done a thorough job of convincing themselves that they were justified, even that they were the victims of some persecution or other. The raving madman is perfectly easy to recognize. It's the one who believes he's good, that all he does is justified who is hard to see. The one who is in the center of his own universe is the real danger. End quote. Well, yeah. And, of course, this presents yet another danger. What if the person we're talking about is actually the good guy? You know, and if such a person's confronted by the left, then the goal would become to make that good guy look like a raving madman, wouldn't it? To project one's own evils onto the other. Let's see now. Any examples come to mind? Hmm. Donald Trump, maybe? You know, I recall seeing a post on someone else's website that, to paraphrase, read, quote, those who do not see the virtue in Donald Trump have none themselves, end quote. And I thought that was a profound observation because it's true of anyone seeing virtue in anyone else. You have to have some yourself to recognize it in others. And this brings us back to the necessity of knowing what, not who, is the good, and what, not who, is the evil. You can attach those other parts later on. And when we're talking about what is evil, we might be talking about something like, say, an ideology that would lead to socialism, as described here by Dinesh D'Souza on January 28. Is the United States beyond repair a house in the process of collapsing? Uh, this is a real fear now with the new government, the new structure of power. And let's just think back. Before the election, conservatives said publicly that this election was the most important election. And that was not really boilerplate rhetoric. We may have heard it before, but we meant it this time. And we can't now take it back. We can't say, oh, by the way, we were exaggerating. You know, we were kidding. Uh, the United States is going to be just fine. Land of opportunity. Uh, no. Uh, the left may see itself as progressive. They're moving toward a glorious future. But I think we recognize that there are warning signals. Uh, to put it differently, the, the termites are now inside the building. And um, this causes in me a greater alarm that I, than I've had politically in all the years I've been in the United States. Because for an immigrant, it would be crushing uh, to see the United States uh, go down, to see the house collapse. Um, I think back, in fact, to my years growing up in India. Uh, and I grew up under socialism, in fact, democratic socialism. When I hear the rhetoric of socialism, it's very familiar to me. And I want to talk about what that experience actually felt like. The first ingredient of it was the pervasiveness of corruption, corruption everywhere. 
I remember once as a kid, I was on a train and I went past my station and I was with a friend of mine. And when I got off the train, uh, there was a, a, a ticket man standing there and he goes, I'm going to I'm going to write you a ticket for a fine. Um, show me your identification. And, and so I did. And I got the big ticket for a fine. And as we were walking away, my friend goes, Dinesh, you're such an idiot. I, I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're supposed to slip a 20 rupee note into your the plastic sleeve with your identification. That's what he was looking for. He doesn't want to write you a ticket. He wants money for himself. And that's just a small example of the pervasiveness of corruption. It also occurs in a, a big way. Several years ago in India, a Bollywood star driving really fast after a kind of a wild night on the town, drives on the pavement and kills a bunch of people. Uh, but when he comes up at trial, he produces all these fake witnesses who say they were there and he didn't do it. In fact, somebody else was driving the car, even though he was clearly in the car with the actual victims identify him. Uh, but nevertheless, there's a big court case that goes on for years and in effect, the guy is able to get away with it. So there are two classes of people, the elite who are connected and powerful and they get away with everything. And then the ordinary guy who gets away with nothing. Uh, I once talked to my father about what would happen if one was publicly critical of the government. And he goes, well, you can't do it. This is India. He said, you know, if you do it, somebody will come to your house or your school and break your legs. Uh, and you just have to think of that as the way we live around here. That is life in India. I thought about my own life as I grew up and I realized that there was no opportunity. The only life available to, to me was to live the same life that my father lived. And I thought to myself, this is a country where my destiny is just given to me. When I came to America, I saw something amazing, which was, first of all, the country was clean. And I don't just mean clean in the sense of sanitary. I mean, the corruption, while I knew it existed, did not infest every aspect of American life. And second, I saw ladders of opportunity, not just a chance to make a better life for myself, but the chance to be uh, the architect of my own life. I think this is really why the idea of America is so appealing. Uh, but this is all now in jeopardy because we have a group of people in charge and they don't really believe in the American dream. Uh, and they want uh, to take America in a different direction. The very elements of American exceptionalism that I cherished, they despise. And so when people ask me things like, do you want Biden to succeed? My obvious answer is no. I mean, in a generic sense, I want America to succeed, but I don't think it's going to succeed with Biden. I don't think it's going to succeed if the left has its way. Ultimately, these are people, you may almost say, who are steering the Titanic toward the iceberg. Uh, a very alarming thought. And, and quite frankly, if America goes down, and Debbie and I discuss this occasionally, where do we go? Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, quite honestly, if the ship goes down, I guess I'm going to go down with it. I've already um, done my immigrant relocation. I'm not relocating. Um, but America has been the hope of the world. Uh, no civilization is permanent. Um, and in fact, civilizations that go down typically never come back. It's not they don't survive. They just don't flourish anymore. Look at the ancient Greeks. They were great in the 5th century BC. They're gone. They're not coming back. Look at the Romans. Uh, look at the Ottomans. Turkey was at one point, you could almost call it the capital of the world. Really, not today. 
the British Empire. Once the sun set on the British Empire, it was never going to rise again, at least not over there. So we got to remember that we have, as America, one shot at this. And for the first time in my adult lifetime, I think that it's America itself that hangs in the balance. So our job, and it's a daunting one, uh, is to be the voice of reason, the prophetic voice of criticism, the political voice of resistance and block and tackle. And I want this show to be an intelligent, bold, witty um, way of challenging these entrenched orthodoxies, attacking this progressivism for the bogus system it is. Incidentally, uh, we're not losing our grip. This gentleman's here for a reason. I think we are all aware that crime has been on the upswing in the United States for uh, the past decade and is still mounting. Uh, our next guest is a man who wants to do something about that. Please welcome Gilbert Ulysses Nelson, president of the Firmwood Gun Association. Thank you. Mr. Nelson, we've got crime. Yes, the whole nation. a lot more than we need, too. Absolutely. The whole nation's got crime. <laughs> crime has got to be a problem. There's so many problems around. Yes. <laughs> you think you've got an answer, huh? I know I have the answer. <laughs> well, all we need then is the question, and I think I have the question. The question is very simple. Simple, uh, what's the answer? <laughs> right. The problem is, in this country, that the average citizen does nothing to combat the criminal. He simply sits back and ignores the problem, mm -hmm. or he waits for his next-door neighbor to act. <laughs> but that neighbor, nine times out of ten, doesn't either. Nine times out of ten. That is incredible. <laughs> How many would you say out of twelve? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure the full rate there. Probably for projected to twenty, it's probably about eighteen out of twenty, depending probably. on the situation. Probably. <laughs> It is. It is 18. Huh? I just don't think we need to bog ourselves down with statistics right now, okay? Right. <laughs> You're listening to Just Right Broadcasting Around the World and Online. And of course, being bogged down in statistics has been the name of the COVID-19 game since day one, hasn't it? Were it not for so-called case numbers, officials wouldn't have a case, would they? And what happens when case numbers no longer persuade the public or when they just don't care about those case numbers anymore? Well, what happens is exactly what we see in almost any given day's news reports from any given day's mainstream corporate media, like, say, the London Free Press, which is my city's daily paper of propaganda. Headline reads, Cases Drop, Risk Looms, February 20th, front page. Subheading reads, There was good news as the London area left lockdown this week. COVID-19 case counts were down sharply. But the threat of fast-moving virus variants remains, officials warn. Written by Jennifer Beeman. Quote, What a difference a lockdown makes. London's daily toll of new COVID-19 cases has dropped sharply in response to the nearly two-month Ontario emergency lockdown that has now been lifted. 
chalk that up to people sticking to the rules, including a stay-at-home order that was also lifted this week, and the vaccines that have been given to people living in long-term care. But don't get too comfortable, health officials warn. We're seeing more and more data that variants of concern have been spreading more and more each week, even during the lockdown period, said Chris Mackey, Middlesex London's medical officer of health. That's really what we're most concerned about. The hope is that if we get enough vaccines into arms as quickly as possible, we can slow the spread of variants of concern and prevent deaths, end quote. Oh my God, how far can they push this BS? Meanwhile, in that same day's paper under the National Post editorial, Outlook Improving, get this, quote, while Canadian public health officials would like to claim that lockdowns are almost exclusively to thank for these massive improvements, a survey of the evidence suggests that this is not the case. This is because jurisdictions that said no to lockdowns, like Florida and South Dakota, have seen similar declines. Some of them reopened weeks ago, and yet their states continue to see rapid declines. These are facts that Canadians should reflect on, end quote. Well, here it is, mid-February 2021, and the National Post is only now daring to suggest a survey of the evidence that non-corporate media has been reporting on for the better part of the past year. And not to leave out yet another expression of Trump derangement syndrome, got to have that in there. Also on the same day's paper, on the letters to the editor page, headline reads, Trump culpable, quote, While one can argue former U.S. President Donald Trump was responsible for the attack on the Capitol, one thing can't be challenged. Trump's downplaying and mismanagement of the COVID-19 pandemic is responsible for many more needless deaths in the United States. The U.S. has lost 1,453 people for every one million in the population. Countries like Canada, which were proactive in their response to the pandemic, have lost one-third that number, and some countries have done even better. Trump may not have personally killed these poor souls, but he is culpable. And yet GOP senators and many others still support him. Never mind the impeachment, this man should be charged with negligent death. His inaction fits the definitions, end quote, by Steve M. of London. And poor Steve, he's wallowing in complete ignorance and stupidity of his own making. Everything he expressed is in reality the exact opposite. It was Trump who took action by giving the left everything they asked for on covid And it was the leftist democratic states that have produced all the greatest numbers of deaths caused by their own actions. We know this. And as Sidney Watson pointed out earlier, Biden said that stopping travel was not effective when it was Trump who stopped travel from China. So this guy's got it so backwards. You know why? He's been reading the paper that he writes his letters to. And then Thames Valley District School Board planning for no symptom COVID tests. Are you kidding me? It's reports and actions like this that illustrate just how desperate and eager the elite are to continue and maintain an environment of fear and terror. They have made the issue of perfectly healthy people something to push their COVID BS on. You know, try teaching kids maybe a bit of phonics so that maybe they can learn to read or something. Now, having just read a sampling of that day's London Free Press fake news and propagandist terrorism, just a few fact checks may be in order. First, cases are irrelevant to anything. Quote, but the threat of fast-moving virus variants remains, end quote. What threat? What virus? You haven't told us. As we've already repeated perhaps hundreds of times over the past year, all viruses mutate and turn into variants. This is their nature. And in the process, the evolutionary tendency is to become a weaker virus with each variant. This, again, is part of that normal life and normal life experience that today's extremists and communists are turning into causes for fear and obedience. 
And the notion that the lockdowns and other irrational regulations had anything to do with the case counts dropping is a non sequitur. But here's the most offensive article I found from the same day's London Free Press. Headline reads, Bar Owner Unrepentant. Ale house sign maker denies racism and allegations he refused Asian customers, written by Norman de Bono. Quote, the owner of a downtown London bar caught in a social media storm over signs some call racist denies a claim his business refused service to Asian customers. But Alex Petro, owner of the London Ale House, refused to apologize amid an ongoing backlash for calling the COVID-19 pandemic the China virus on the signage, saying it reflects his beliefs and even offers him peace of mind. The Dundas Street Bar has faced a backlash in recent days after posting on a sign above its front door reading, Mr. Ford, history will show lockdowns caused more damage to the public than the China virus. Petro sounds largely unfazed by the criticism, but the matter escalated with a serious second-hand accusation on social media. When my friends went to ask that the sign be taken down, the owner responded by kicking them out and saying no Chinese people allowed, one person wrote. Petro denied that claim. That is totally wrong. That is made up. Of course it is. Restaurant security videos showed no Asian persons entering the restaurant when it reopened Tuesday, he said. It did not happen. Look at the cameras. No one came in. The sign backlash has prompted an outpouring of support for the Chinese community from London municipal, provincial, and federal politicians and business and community groups. (laughs) What a bunch of losers. Quote, London is fortunate to have a proud and vibrant Chinese community, Mayor Ed Holder wrote on social media. The outpouring of support we've seen in response from Londoners of all backgrounds is a testament to that, and I believe a far better reflection of the values this city truly represents. (sighs) Barbara Malley, executive director of the Downtown London Merchants Group, issued a statement referring to the bar sign and expressing profound sadness in response to the demonstrations of offensive, divisive, and racist accusations in our business community. London NDP MPPs Teresa Armstrong, Terence Kernahan, and Peggy Sattler also issued a statement in response to the alehouse signs saying they strongly condemned them. MP Peter Fragus Kados also weighed in, calling the signs completely unacceptable. I have some confusion about why the huge uproar, Petro said. I'm not bashing Asian people. My anger is towards the Chinese government. They're evil. Something is not right in regard to government and how they're dealing with this, end quote. And then they give a sampling of London Ale house signs. Get this. We love Chinese people. We hate the genocide and China virus your commie government has inflicted on us. Here's another. The elitist commie evil empire says 10 people maximum inside. Merry freaking Christmas, commie. Another one. To all the socialist Marxist little sheep that have blessed me with their comments, my word to you, bah. I love this. Now, this article has listed London's mayor, Ed Holder, Barbara Malley, executive director of the downtown London Merchants Group. By the way, a fraudulent state-funded group pretending to be a business merchants group. It's actually a BIA, something I've worked on for dozens of years through the Freedom Party of Ontario. And of course, there's London's NDP communist, MPPs Teresa Armstrong, Terence Kernahan, and Peggy Sattler. And then there's federal liberal MP Peter Fragus Kathos, who all expressed how Alex Petro's signs are completely unacceptable. Well, shame on the bunch of them. If they think that the opinions of Petro are unacceptable, then they're completely out of touch with the majority of people who they are supposed to represent. 
But of course, we all know that the real reason they, and the London Free Press for that matter, all object to Petro is because they are the communists and fascists that Petro is criticizing and condemning. And I fully support him on that because that's exactly who they are. This is the who, not the what. The fact that these elite morons are now trying to resort to accusations of racism is despicable, reprehensible, and unconscionable to anyone of goodwill towards others. I like to see the bunch of them in front of some kind of Nuremberg trial process. I kid you not. The damage they've done is, is, is incalculable, as I've said before. But the public is slowly catching on. Saw this comment regarding this very story online. Quote, Third wave is the UK variant. Fourth wave is the South African variant. Fifth wave is the South American variant. Sixth and others to be announced. And yet the original variant can never be from China or you are a racist. Mmm, that's so good. False. That is incorrect information. I can't believe you cheated on me. That's false. I did not cheat on you. I found a video on your phone of you having sex with another woman. No, you didn't. The video's right here. No, I fact-checked it, so that video is not right there. So cold and gloomy out today. That's misinformation. It's actually warm and sunny out today. Trust me, I'm independent. Mm. Oh, I thought you said you were going to the gym. That's true. I am at the gym. You are ugly and fat. How dare you? You can't just call me ugly and fat. I didn't call you ugly and fat. Trump actually had some decent policies. False, false, false! That is incorrect! I kind of like Biden. True, that is very true. But are we still not talking about Hunter Biden's laptop and all the things? False! That is Russian misinformation. <laughs> false. For real. <laughs> That's funny. False. It is not funny, it's misinformation. These lockdown policies are so draconian. COVID has a 99.9% .9 survival rate. Incorrect. Factually speaking, everyone's already died of COVID. It is very deadly. I just don't trust our leaders anymore. Incorrect, you do. The social media giants are censoring speech and I don't think that's no, okay. No, stop. You are not allowed to say that. That is false information. Are you ever gonna do the dishes? I already did. No, you didn't. They're sitting right there, all dirty. That's false information. I fact-checked it. No, they're right there. Listen, I fact-checked it. So what you're seeing in front of you isn't there. Trust me, I'm a fact-checker. We, the public, want to thank the frontline workers that have been risking it all the most in order to protect us during this pandemic. The fact-checkers. Thank you, fact-checkers, for protecting us from free speech, our own thinking, and diversified perspectives. We, the public, know we're simply not intelligent enough to think for ourselves, let alone to decide what we think is true. You treat us like helpless children as you hold our hands and tell us what to do and think. Because we are. Your authoritarian use of absolute words like facts and truth helps us discount our own thinking while giving you power over us to protect us. And it reminds us of how Catholic priests used authoritarian words like God in order to have power over little boys to protect them. Luckily, there's no examples of this strategy being used in harmful ways. So we'll keep trusting you. You have an outstanding human achievement where you have never made a single mistake in knowing what the facts are. 
you also have a 100% accuracy rate in pointing out other people's mistakes. That literally makes you perfect. And if we didn't know any better, we'd think that's too good to be true. Your commitment to abolishing all points of view that don't come from you is inspiring. At an intuitive level, all people know that living in a society where only one point of view is allowed and it's imposed on them while all other points of view are exterminated will be a happy, prosperous society. History has taught us that over and over. Fact checkers, most of us have never spoken a single thought that's been scientifically validated as true. So please accept our public apology for having the audacity to think, let alone speak, without your permission. With your continued help, pretty soon we won't be thinking at all or allowed to speak. We know that factcheck.org is controlled by the Annenberg family, but what isn't public knowledge is that Walter Annenberg was a mob bookie and that the Annenberg family has direct connection to Anthony Fauci, George Soros, and Bill Gates Sr. Huh, there they all are in a picture together. Therefore, those who are trying to control the narrative control the fact checkers who are helping control the narrative. But because this isn't public knowledge, we the public don't have knowledge of it because we're too stupid. Fact checkers, if it's not too much to ask, we pray that you extend your chokehold of fact checking into realms beyond basic speech. Music, art, and books are all based on perspectives, not facts. Therefore, we need you to protect us from these sources of inspiration because without you, we'll continue to be pulled to them while mistakenly believing they're making our lives better. As we, the public, assume the posture of apologizing for even existing, please accept our gratitude for your sacrifices in serving our country and gracing us with the divinity of your absolute truth. Fact checkers, without your guidance, we, the public, would be constantly walking into traffic, stumbling into free speech, and getting infected with a diversity of ideas. Thank you for your service. It's happening. You're watching it. The world is watching. Have faith in humanity. Now, in the beginning, we talked about how the truth has to come out, how people are going to have to see corruption on both sides. They can't just see it on one side because it won't bring the country together. And Bruno Barking on Gab put out a, a good gab. And let me just read what he wrote here. In absolute proof video, Mike Lindell said that once all the frauds exposed, America will be unified like never before. We will be one nation under God again. He said it several times. But think about the psychology. America is hopelessly divided. Each side wants to be right and have their opponents proven wrong. But when that happens, whatever side wins, does that ever provide unity? It's a human nature to want to be vindicated as a right and your opponent to be shamed as wrong. We also tend to goat when our side wins. How then can exposure of this evil and corruption unite us? Only if both sides were somehow right and both sides were also wrong. Equilibrium. We digital soldiers are feeling sheepish and wrong about the Biden win. Our liberal friends and family think they have been proven right 
solution, reveal or corruption on both sides. As evil is being revealed, be humble and just seek justice, no matter the perpetrator's politics. Model for liberal friends and family how to respond when not if your heroes are exposed as frauds and worse. For our side, it needs to start with Ravi Zacharias, the Bush family, Mitch McConnell, now exposed by both the MI state senator Shirky tape and then the Trump open letter. Prepare for many more. For the other side, Cuomo, Newsom, Lincoln Project, prepare for many more. The so-called middle Lincoln Project, prepare for many more. The house of cards is falling. And yes, I do believe that this is about uniting the country. This is one of the main missions that Trump and the Patriots are pushing for, to bring the country together. And I do believe as this starts out, it won't seem that way. But as more and more of the truth is exposed and crimes against humanity is exposed, the country will start to come together. And what's very interesting is that General Flynn, who's being interviewed, and he talked about the truth. He talked about how important the truth is and how the truth works. Take a listen to what he said here. It always escapes us is that the other side is also taking its licks. Okay? And they're taking its licks by us every time we discover new truth. Every time we discover new truth and we expose it, it's, a, it's basically like a weapon system against them that we use against them. And it hurts them. I, I believe, personally, you know, what, what Mike Flynn believes is that they, the other side, so to speak, the, 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 have a tough time saying the Democratic side because they don't think that they're democratic anymore they're more socialist so the socialist side i don't think that they believe that this was going to still be ongoing like it is or nor that that people in this country were going to have this sentiment or this feeling that they have and so every time we expose the truth every time we put another chink in the enemy's armor or in our opposing forces armor that hurts them and they lose strength and even though we might feel defeated on our side, if there's one thing that I learned as a leader is that the other side is also weakened. And they're weakened because their, their strength does not uh, reside in the truth. Their strength resides in deception. And I do believe he is right. The truth is going to come out. The world is going to see the truth. The truth is going to knock down propaganda. And people, maybe not right in the beginning, but as time goes on and more of the truth comes out, people will start to come together because it won't be one-sided. It will be on both sides. And people will eventually start to see the true enemy. And once they see the true enemy, they'll start to realize, wow, we've been under this illusion for a very, very long time. Now, is this gonna happen in a split second? No. Remember the truth, it takes a while for it to emerge, for people to accept it. For some reason, people hate the truth. You know why? Because it's real. It's based in facts. They don't like that. They like the shiny propaganda. It sounds better. It's easier to accept. It fits in. They don't have to question it. The truth, you question things. You say, well, how could that be? How can people be so evil? How can they do this? 
It doesn't make sense. Prove it to me. But the truth, once it starts to emerge, people eventually accept it. People start to see it all. And I believe this is where we're headed. And the optics had to be just right. And Just Right is the name of this show, where in addition to the optics, the substance of our message also has to fit that description. (laughs) You know, in so many ways, the comments just heard in that X-22 report of February 18th echo those made in our show opener today. Recognize that all words are part false and part true, limited by our imperfect understanding, but strive always for honesty within yourself. Perhaps the most inconvenient truth about truth is that the truth takes a long time to be accepted. After all, the truth has to be learned and understood. Lies require no learning or understanding or process of investigation. Or, as is more usually the case, lies require a false understanding to be accepted. You know, like I always say, it ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble, but what they do know that ain't so. And I've noticed another interesting phenomenon about how people view the truth. Some view the truth with dire pessimism, while others view the truth with enthusiastic optimism. Truth always wins in the end, say the optimist, in some expectation that some bad situation will simply end when the truth is somehow revealed and accepted. But you know, I don't think that's the way it works. That doesn't mean that we or any particular individual will will win when the truth wins. What if we haven't been on the side of truth until it forced us to look it in the eye? What if, through no fault of our own, we find that the truth will work against us? Truth is not some metaphysical thing that exists in nature. Truth is a human value. And it is a human value for precisely the reason cited in the show opener. The value of truth binds one to the reality of oneself, and of course, to reality itself. And why is the recognition and acceptance of reality so important? Because our very lives and well-being depend upon our accurate knowledge and apprehension of the world around us. Otherwise, we wouldn't know that jumping off a cliff might get us killed. Yes, truth does exist. It always exists. But as an abstraction which does not make its value any less real. Truth is a consequence of knowledge. Knowledge that both corresponds to reality and to reason. As Ayn Rand so simply put it, quote, Truth is the recognition of reality. Reason, man's only means of knowledge, is his only standard of truth, end quote. And here's the kicker, again from Ayn Rand, quote, The truth or falsehood of all of man's conclusions, inferences, thought, and knowledge rests on the truth or falsehood of his definitions, end quote. And this, more than anything else, perhaps, explains the constant barrage of changing definitions, false terms, and other deceptive uses of words on which the left is so dependent to pull off its evil agenda. Talk about being at a defining point in history. So tell me the truth. Has the health care curve we were given two weeks to flatten a year ago been flattened yet? And what does that mean, anyway? Well, maybe we'll find out when you join us again next week, as we will continue our journey in the right direction towards the truth, not away from it. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright.
Hello and welcome to another edition of coverage of people who are ill in hospital receiving treatment. Dave, you're ill. That's right, I've got gallstones. They're being taken out. Indeed. Are you nervous but everyone's been wonderful? No, a nurse fingered me. Gillian. Thanks, Edward. I'm here with Chris who's got a broken arm. That's right. How did you break your arm, Chris? Just broke. That's an interesting story and they're going to put it in plaster, are they? That is the plan, yeah. We'll be there to film them doing that and put it on the telly. In a minute I'll be talking to a doctor you don't know who's tired. Edward. Thanks, Gillian. Well, we've had a bit of a cock-up here and Dave is dead. Here is Dave. In a minute, they'll be carting him out on a trolley and we'll be here to film that and put it on the telly. Meanwhile, here are some nurses and doctors walking about a bit. 